Change, okay. What's another way to say it? Okay, good. Paradigm shift. Yeah, make you think differently. New worldview. That's a, that's, I think, really, I think probably, I mean, paradigm shift, that's kind of what it means in minds. I mean, these all kind of mean the same thing, but when I think worldview, I think it affects everything that you think. Um, I think you can have a, a paradigm shift in certain things and, uh, and it not necessarily affect uh, other things. When you have a worldview change, you looks changes the way you look at what? The world. Okay, the whole world. So, so somebody with that in mind, um, and again, I'm not necessarily saying you have to have a mindset change because of some of the things we're saying. What I'm saying is some of these things made me have to process what do I believe about certain things. And so I'm throwing them out there for you to process some of the same stuff, okay? Or at least to say, what do I think about that? But here's one of the things I've found over the years. Sometimes some of the most revolutionary breakthrough things that I feel like the Holy Spirit supernaturally gave me, just a, a divine word from God, I'll prepare a set of messages on it, a series or whatever, and 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 people are like, oh yeah, I've, I've my, my grandmother told me that when I was two, you know that kind of thing, and <clears throat> and um, I'm like, wow. And then something that I think is just kind of casual along the way, um, I'll have people come up to me after a service, and, man, I never thought about it like that. Never thought about. It. In fact, I just had a conversation like this in Texas with a uh, with a gentleman that's. Uh, He's a younger guy, um, minister, and he's the associate of a church, and he's going to be the uh, lead pastor of this church eventually. That's why they hired him. The pastor's retiring and kind of wants to train him into the ministry, I mean, into that pastoral position. So we were talking about some different things having to do with how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives and what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is, things like praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and stuff like that. And we're talking about this. And, um, and I, I said some things to me that I, I thought, you know, I was waiting to get to the good stuff. Um, in our discussion, but, but I just said some things that I thought were fairly basic, uh, th- just kind of the way we, sh- we all think, okay? And, and he, s- he said to me, I've never heard that before. I've never heard it like that. I don't have the, I, I've never processed it that way. He said, but that's going to be very beneficial for me moving forward being a minister. And then it was, it was so profound to him that later when we were with our larger uh, group of people that serve on our board, he said the same thing again to all of them. He said, guys, this, this was the most revolutionary thing I've ever heard. Um, he, he didn't tell him what it was. I was waiting for him to say what he heard me say to see if we were still thinking the same thing. And still then, if everybody else thought it was as revolutionary, because I don't think they would have. To me, I don't think they would have. Um, but it was just interesting that some things that would be some amazingly profound to, to you may not be for somebody else and vice versa. Something that is just normal for you, just, you know, this is the way I look at this, uh, could be fairly profound for someone else, too. So, <clears throat> so uh, give me the story of the man at the pool. Tell the story for us. Yeah, as best as you can. Once upon a time,
<laughs> whatever we arrived at. Then, Shauna. Okay. And and the part that we haven't been reading, uh, that we haven't got to in the story, is the part where um, where then Jesus, you know, he tells him to pick up his mat and walk, and then later the guy finds him in the temple, and all. we didn't get to that. And that's for for right now. That's not necessarily um, important for this. So here's one of the things that years ago. Let me do it in the form of a question. Years ago, for me, I'm reading this story, and I'm going, wow, this is, I need, I need a question answered. We've already talked about most of those. But there's another one that I look at the story, and I say, I need to know more information here. Because it specifically has to do with how I perceive, look at, understand Jesus. Okay? And so I'm saying, I need, I need to know more. I need, I need something. So with that... Um, I'll ask you, is there anything in this story that we have not discussed? And if you haven't been here, you can throw it out here and we'll let you know if we've discussed it. But is there anything in this story we have not discussed that you're saying, wait a second, I, why did this happen or why, whatever? Yes, ma'am. Well, and so that, so that we understand the difference between um, the infallibility of God and his word and the understanding of the story, the guy says, the, the tradition, I'm saying, is angel stirs the water. That's what they were saying is the tradition of this pool. I don't think the story is trying to say that the angel heals. I think we understand that God heals. But at the same time, this, the Bible does say that the angel is the one who stirs water because that's the tradition of the story. That's the long tradition of this kind of thing. And so, because I've had some people question, well, that proves, if you don't believe the angels can heal, then that proves that the Bible's not true. I think those two things are not the same thing. One is this is the tradition of the story of the people at the time. This had been a tradition for a long time, and they were reciting that. Because Jesus doesn't address that at all. He doesn't say, no, it's an angel, not an angel, it's the Spirit of God or whatever. But we understand that an angel doesn't heal people. So, yeah, and I do believe that's how simple it is for the church to get off, off base on things. In fact, angel, angels is a good one. There are, there are major, major stories and um, teachings and books and all kinds of stuff about angels. Tons of stuff about angels. Oh, my dad called me up, it's 15 years ago, he was... It hadn't been more than that because he was still pastoring. My dad pastored a church for a little period of time. And uh, he was pastoring his church, and he said, I've got this great, um, this great lesson, this sermon series that I'm going to be doing for like two months. 
uh, in church on a weekend. And he said, it's, it's exciting. It's all about angels. And he was sitting there telling me about it. Went over the stuff, you know, that I'm going to teach you this, I'm going to show this, and all the different kind of angels. What, how did they look? What was their description? All the different things. He said, you should find a scripture and then some that people create. And, uh, and I listened to him of it all, and he finished, and he was excited and proud. And I, I, knew I, I knew I was about to deflate his balloon. But I, I said, Dad, what is, how does that going to help anybody in your church? Serve Jesus better. Tell others about him. How does that? How, how, do, how does that happen? At the end of it, with everything you said, the only thing that it does for me is say, wow, angels are really cool. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I know there's great, you, there's great teaching. Go get your books. All the stuff. The angels, angels. You know, but why? And this is, to me, one of those things where the entire church can grab onto something, and specifically in America. Boy, we're getting worse and worse. The more that media spreads across, and there's such instantaneous uh, things with media and stuff, we grab onto something, we run with it, and run with it, and run with it. And th this is one of those things, and I'm, I'm, if I'm picking on something that is near and dear to your heart, that's not my goal. I'm hoping to highlight something. The concept of the uh, prayer of Jabez, I know that became a big thing. That was Exciting books and teachings and churches were all about the prayer of Jabez. Guys, it's a few scriptures in the Bible. It's a few scriptures. And if you use it the way that almost everybody, including uh, Wilkerson, uh, whoever wrote the thing, uh, if you use it the way they use it, you're actually taking it out of context. I read the book. I'm like, this is so exciting for everybody. But that's not what it's talking about. I'll give you one that this was one of the first ones years ago that, that got me. We had this song. By the time I was in college, we had this song, um, um, Ask of Me and I Will Give the Nations. Remember that song? Ask of me, I will give the nations as an inheritance for you. Right? You ought to go to that scripture sometime and see what he's talking about. He's saying that he's going to let you go in and slaughter all of the people in the nation. Because they're serving uh, evil uh, idols and stuff like that. So I always wanted to add a line there. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. You can kill them all, cut their heads off, and spread their blood all over the place. Ask of me. Let's all just worship. Ask of me and you can massacre them on the ground and stomp their bones to dust. You know, if we're really going to use the scripture, let's use the scripture. But we do this stuff sometimes, we take it out, and this is where the church can just get caught up on things and run different directions and get excited about this and get excited about this. And here's another one that falls into this category for me, is you hear about a revival somewhere. So you run off to that revival. You run off to that revival, because that's where Jesus is. Jesus, Jesus is in Brownsville. I know there's been some since then, but I don't keep up. That was a long time ago, like 20 years ago. But you run off to Brownsville. Before that, you run off to Canada, Toronto. You're, when do you just, what I talked about Sunday morning, when do you just lock yourself in with God and say, God, I need you here now in me. I need you in me. I don't care if you're in Florida. I need you in me. My family needs you in, in us right here, right now.
We need you in our church. We need you in our marriage. We need you in our finances. We need you here. It made me very uncomfortable. I, we, Lynn and I went to the Brownsville Bible, and, and, um, and there was some good stuff there. And, and I, I enjoyed, I really enjoy Steve Hill. I really enjoy Steve Hill. Um, I don't like the other guy at all, Kil, uh, Kilpatrick. Don't like him at all. But, um, but I like Steve Hill. And so we went, some of you are like, who are you talking about? These are the people involved. So, so we came back. We were driving back with a friend of ours as a pastor, and we had resigned. We were in between being youth pastor and lead pastor. And, and uh, we were in the area, and the pastor of this church in the area said, Scott, I, I want you to do something for me. He said that there's two songs that they sang at the revival. He said, can you play those and lead those songs? And they were both very simple. While they're playing them in my head, I'm, you know, I'm playing the chord, so I know I can play them musically. And he said, I want you to lead those this Sunday. We're going to bring Ra- uh, Brownsville right here to Texas. I thought, it's, it's, I'll lead your songs, but it doesn't work that way. Well, no, if you sing the song just like they sing it, and, and you know how you did that at the end, repeat that thing, re- then this thing will take off. According to Scripture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal your land. If you pray, humble yourself, pray, seek your and what's the last one? Turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture, if you will sing that song, just like um, John Lindell, and you'll kick it up just at the right time. And they're great songs. I still love them today. We'll, man, this thing will take off. It's going to take off. Then God will hear from heaven. Guys, and we try to do this stuff in our lives. We try to do this in our, in our families. Quick fixes. Um, that's why I know, the, I know these things seem very disconnected to you, but in my head they're all the same. This is why, for the most part, you won't ever hear me do a message like, um, six easy steps to um, life in Christ or jubilant Christian spirituality or something like that. Because here's what I found. There's no such thing as quick, easy steps to anything. Six steps and your whole life will be different. I, I don't think it works that way. And I think, I think this has been a disservice to the church for so long, and that's why we'll trace, we'll chase whatever rabbit trails. Because it's not really about God. I, I repent before you. I need you. I want to get into you. And when I, when I humble myself before you, the king of everything, it begins to allow the king to rule. When the king rules, my life can be in subjection, submission. God can do stuff. But we want to get to the stuff of God, the exciting stuff, the fun, the, the bubbly and the whipped cream and everything, without really humbling ourselves and praying, seeking his face, turning from our wicked ways, getting on our, our, our face before God and saying, God, I'm not getting up until you hear me, until you answer, until you, like Jacob, wrestling all night. We talk about how Jacob says, God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And I've heard pastors say, okay, now, guys, we're going we're gonna to stand right here tonight, and we're not going to let the Lord go until he blesses us. That that's irresponsible scripturally. Jacob had already been chasing after God, and he wrestled with God all night long. Are you willing to spend all night praying 
interceding, I mean deeply wrestling, interceding with the Lord all night long because it ain't going to happen in 15 minutes standing at the altar because a pastor gets you all excited about it. God bless me. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Wait a second. Diligent closes in 20 minutes. We got to go. You see what I'm saying? We got this mentality sometimes that, that it's just an easy, quick little popping thing. Let's just do this. And it's like, a little, it's like a little junior high party that we're always going to the next junior high party. When do we say, okay, look, God, my family's on the line here. My marriage is on the line here. My, my finances are on the line here. God, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting off my face until I get an answer from you. How long does that take? I don't know. I don't know how long it takes. For Jacob, it took all night long. All night, all night. It took all night long. <laughs> so you guys have a, okay, so. But, but this is the thing is we, we do, we, we just want this. We don't really want to sacrifice. We don't really want to, to surrender to, to um, I, I, I said this, I've talked about this before. I said this to my dad again, same time frame. He was pastoring his church and, and he called and said, I want to know God's voice. And I told him the same thing I'll tell anybody in here if you say, the sa- if you say something similar. I want to know how to hear God's voice. I'll say the same thing. You fast an entire week, and you'll know what God's voice sounds like at the end of that. But that's hard to do. That's challenging. It challenges us to do that. Well, God, how about I, I just skip coffee uh, next month, uh, next tomorrow morning. I skip my coffee break, and then, God, the glory of heaven will unfold on my life. When is there really a Lord, I surrender. I, I, I give up myself. I give up myself. This has been the consistent theme for years for me in counseling. I guarantee you Corey would tell you the same thing. Is we want to hold on to us and still want all the stuff that we think can happen that should not happen if we're holding on to us. But we keep holding on. I'm going to hold on to my, my issues, my my life, my expectations, my sins, my whatever, my worldview, but then, God, I want these blessings and this other stuff to happen. I, I, the, the most common one, I, mean it's, I, don't, I don't think it's the most uh, egregious one, but I think it's the most common one, is when it comes to finances. And I'm going to be talking about this over the next few weeks, not this weekend, but starting next weekend. Um, finances, tithing, and things like that, looking at some of this. It's amazing how how simply we will we we can know it in our brains. This is what God has said, but we don't do it. And then our finances are falling down around us. And and things are just going crazy. Now I do know that there are times, I've been in these times, and you know you're tithing, you know what you're doing, you're doing all the stuff you're supposed to, and there is still a huge financial struggle. I get that. Been there. But for the most part, that's not what it is. Our lives are crazy, upside down, goofy financially. And, and you say, well, are you tithing? No, I can't afford to. Uh, then I say, do what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. How's it working for you? you, you know, and we can go down the line and name all these things, all this stuff. You, you, dabbling in this, dabbling in that, playing around over here, doing this. 
and, and we think, but, but it's all going to work out. Well, first, Satan is lying to you and telling you that you're probably still going to get to heaven even though you're playing around with sin and doing things you're not supposed to. We, we've got this little voice in the back of our head that just reassures us. And the church is complicit in this, reassuring us that we're all good no matter what we do. And then we can allow that to bleed into, that's a theology, we allow that to bleed into our lifestyles and our ideologies. We think we can act like that in the rest of the ways of our life, and it's all good. It's all good. It's probably not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And you, you, you're blown out of proportion. You're being legalistic. You're being too hard-nosed. You're being too narrow. My, my answer for that always is, all right, <laughs> do what you want. Do what you want. But as, because they're usually coming to me to say, as the pastor slash counselor that you've come to ask opinions about, um, that's where I'm at with that. You can't play around with all the stuff and just expect it to be always a party and not do the basic things. But he's told us basic stuff. Humble yourself, pray, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways, then he'll hear you. Then he will heal you. And me personally, and I've prayed about this before, I pray, God, if something ever happens in the church that I'm pastoring that begins to look like a Brownsville or a Toronto or anything else, and it's not culminating in souls getting saved, God, I don't want to be a part of it. Shut it down. I don't want to be a part of the next church party. Don't. I, I, I don't. So then, so then people all over Colorado Springs are already Christians come here and get excited uh, and have a little party and do all this stuff. And nobody's, still nobody's getting saved. Nobody's being set free. No, we're just all having a party. I'm not interested in that. That's, to me, that is the height of hypocrisy. It's, to me, it's the epitome of what Pat said. You just start chasing stuff. Start chasing stuff. All right, I've spent enough time. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for The first 12 seconds was Pat's conversation. The other 45 seconds were all me. Okay, I'm not done. So, <coughs> so, so here's part of the deal with me, guys. Here's part of the deal. This is why. I grew up in this church. I've, I'm 47 years old. My parents got saved and started going to church again when I was four. I remember the first church we went into. I remember the, the uh, first time we went in. I didn't realize, at that time, I didn't realize it was the first time. I, you know, you don't think before that, but my parents told me, no, that was actually the first time we went back to church. My dad had come back from Vietnam. He, he'd been there a few years and going to church. And, and I watched people in that church get saved and, and people get healed. I mean, supernatural stuff, big stuff. One guy in particular, I was actually having a conversation with somebody recently about this. One guy in particular, his son was two years older than I was, so his son is um, to be 49 or 50 now. Or no, so two years, three years. He's three years old. And, and so my brother's two years older. He was one year older than my brother, and, and we're all little, little, little kids. And, this, and his dad and mom come in, and they're, they're, they're um, obviously very young late 20s-ish, mid-20s. 
and they come in. My parents come in about the same time they get to the church. My parents give their heart back to the Lord. They're both been Christians earlier, hadn't served God in for a long time. And, um, and this family comes and gets saved at the same time. And uh, this, this guy gets saved, and a couple weeks later, they're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and this guy comes down be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and even to the point where this may, may be outside some of your scope, you may not know what I'm talking about. He was slain in the Spirit. He goes out. He's laying down for like two hours. My dad's praying for him for like two hours, which is weird because I've never seen that from my dad. I've never seen that person. But, um, but he's praying with this guy for a couple hours. Th- this family was fairly poor. Um, uh, they had just p- taken all of their money, everything they had, and poured every penny into a business, a rock-crushing business. And it wasn't going well, and they were very poor. And we would go over on, s- on Sunday nights after church, and we would take them food. We would take enough. B- my, this guy's favorite food was bologna sandwiches. Thick sliced bologna sandwiches. So we would take like a couple loaf of bread and a couple packages of bologna stuff, and we'd have bologna sandwiches. And then they would have enough food for at least a few meals throughout the week. And we did that every Sunday night. My parents were making sure that they had food and all this other kind of stuff. And I remember the night the guy got filled with the Holy Spirit, and we went over to his house that night. And I'm a little kid, but I remember. I remember watching him lay there. I remember literally, like, well, part of the reason, because I'm sitting on the seat like, here we go. And my dad's just hovering over this guy and just crying and praying for two hours. And it changed this guy's life completely, transformed him. He was never the same guy. Now, to this day, I just saw his son, uh, the guy that's three years older than me, I just saw him uh, a few months ago in Texas, one of the larger, fastest-growing churches in Texas. This guy is like the uh, pastor's um, prayer partner, uh, mentor, uh, prayer partner more, not, not necessarily mentor, but, and, and the pastor in him, I knew the pastor, I've known the pastor since he was a young, young man. Um, I, I got to talk with them both, and I'm sitting, and I'm sitting there processing this, and I'm thinking about that moment. Now, oh, by the way, these guys, these guys are multi, multi-millionaires today. The whole family is. The guy's rock-crushing plant took off, bought a couple of car dealerships, all kinds of stuff. He owns like half of Dallas now. Um, it, this, this guy is enormously wealthy, and his, and his son is enormously wealthy, and, and they do all this stuff for the kingdom of God and all this stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, we take so lightly the moments and times when, when God wants to save somebody, fill them with the Spirit, and we think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, what, what does it matter if I really witness to that person? God will take care of it, or somebody else will witness to him. What if we really, is getting filled with the Holy Spirit really that big of a deal? And, and we, and we kind of just push all of the things that God's really wanting to do off to the side, and we push all the things we want to do into the middle, all the church stuff. As I've been watching this my whole life, and I've been watching churches, that, that most of the church, not all the churches, there's a couple churches in my childhood that were legitimate, solid churches that, that people got saved at. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, all that kind of stuff. But most of the stuff I have watched over the years is church stuff, which usually processes out into two basic things, a uh, very um, superficial, we're just here for the party. Years ago, it was for like the potlucks and all that. Now it's the music and all, you know, we've changed and I, I prefer the potluck, you know, superficialness. But 
But, I mean, we've got this mentality. And, and so we, we, it usually either turns into superficial or turns into this small little group of people that all they do is complain about everything. That's, that's really, why? I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if anybody was paying attention, but the main reason that criticalness comes into our life and into the church life is because we haven't really spent time with God. That's why we can be critical of each other. That's why we begin to pick on each other. That's why we begin to judge each other. When we become critical of the carpet or the, the, the paint on the wall or something else, because we're not spending time with the Lord that is actually guiding us toward serving him in the marketplace, homes, communities, schools, and things like that. We convince ourselves we're spending time with the Lord, but it's all about us. It's about us. It's about us. When does, when does it become about, Lord, now use me? Use me. I'm, I'm yours. I'm a tool. What do you want me to do today? Use me here. Use me. What do you want me to do today? And I've and I spent most of my life. Our family moved about every three years. Another church. Not we didn't move churches. We moved. You got to be in another church. Um, and and I've watched this all my life. People that are okay with church. You can define it how you want. Big church, small church. Been in all of them. I've been in mega churches. I've been in small churches. I've been in medium-sized churches. I've been in rich churches, poor churches, all everything you imagine. And, and it's always this. It's either a church, and these literally two churches growing up that I saw people that were getting saved, set free, healed, all kinds of stuff. Most of them were more interested in doing what they do. That's why this is such a big deal to me now. Because for me personally, I ran away from it. I didn't want to be a part of it. And it's the same way today. If I wasn't pastoring, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to most churches. I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not. I want. I don't want another party. To me, what's the point of the party? You can only party so long. A party every now and then's nice. Every now and then, but you can only party so long. When does your life mean something? When does your church mean something? When is this really about? I realize Jesus is the Savior. When is it about, Lord, show your word to me and let it be real to me? Get into my life. Get into my spirit and change some stuff. Get in. And I, I sat with it. I'm probably going to mention this this weekend coming up. But I sat with a guy in Texas this last week. I, I see him every year I go down there. We've been going now for seven or eight years into this. And he's, he's down there every year. He's 94 years old. And, um, and uh, he, he just a great man, godly man, loves, loves the Lord. And he was sitting around with, with was a group of us just standing around talking. And, and uh, he sa- I wasn't in the conversation, but I'm standing beside him, so I'm listening. And he says to somebody, some pastor, something about it. And he said, um, you know what? I can worship in any church. I don't care what the music plays like. I just love to worship God. He said, now I know all these churches nowadays, they got all that rock and roll. That's okay for me. I just worship God. You know, he could tell he didn't. Didn't like it. <laughs> but he said, I just worship God. And I'm sitting there, and this is a very godly man. You can't be around him long enough. You just sense God's presence and God's spirit. And as he says it, he starts tearing up, takes his glasses off, glasses off and starts wiping his eyes. He said, because the presence of God is just what I need. And I'm looking at you, know, and I'm there, but you know. And I thought, that's the key to this. I'm just going to serve God. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I just want to serve God. You know, let's just 
And, and this guy is a soul-winning machine. Matty Ford, he's in a wheelchair. When we first started going, he wasn't in a wheelchair. Now he's in a wheelchair, and he's getting older. And uh, he, he is a witnessing machine. I thought, Lord, if I could be like that, I could be like that. When I'm 70, that's pretty old. So, so, um, so here's where I wanted to go with this till Pat got me. Yeah. Anybody want to say anything about that? I've, I've been ranting for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Anybody? Anna? You know, I, just to be honest, if I had a, a, a terminal illness, I'd probably try everything I could, including going to, you know, healing preachers or whatever. But but I also think, at what point does that become? Does that become like uh, looking for a, a witch doctor or a fortune teller? At what point? Here's here's I, I know I'm gonna dig down pretty deep with this. You've got a major issue in your life, a terminal illness or something else, whatever the case is. This is the question that I would ask. How much are you digging into the presence of God every day? I, I talk to people all the marriage is the easiest one that I get with this. My marriage is messed up. Well, how long have you spent, let's say, in the last week? How long have you spent really praying, really seeking God? All, what I talked about Sunday morning, oh, I pray all the time. That's not what I'm saying. What I, what I talked about Sunday morning, when do you section everything off and you get in before God and you fight for this thing? You fight for this marriage. You fast for this marriage. Oh, it's over. Well, I guess so if that's your mentality. Well, I need a, I need a supernatural healing. When are you gonna, I, I, I knew a pastor. He told me the story himself in East Texas. He, uh, the doctors told him he had cancer. He had a couple months to live kind of thing. So he told his wife, he said, I'll be back in a couple weeks. And he went and rented this uh, cabin out in the woods and fasted and prayed. And he said, I'll be back when I'm healed. Well, you say, well, does it work that way? Did for him. Took about two weeks, and he was praying one morning. 
been fasting, and God said, you're healed. And he stood up and walked, and he went back to the doctors. He was healed. Now, you say, what, you know, th- does, does this necessarily represent all results, you know, ha- you know, the disclaimer at the bottom of the teeth? I don't know. But here's the thing that I do know is those are the things that we actually see in Scripture where people just got in. What about Elijah where he lays down on top of the kid or was Elisha? It's one of those two. It's uh, one of the Eli twins. So uh, where he, they lay down, he lays down on the dead boy face to face, does that for a long time, off and on, three days, does all this other stuff. The boy's healed, brought back from the dead. And so we say, well, this is a major, major issue going on in my life. How much have you really spent in time with God about this specific issue? Mm, None. Ten minutes. I prayed on the way to work the other day. I know this sounds callous to say it this way. What do you want my help for? You don't even want to do anything yourself. When do you care enough? When do you care enough to say, no, I'm getting on my face before God until I get an answer? Okay? The answer may be, I'm not going to do whatever you're asking. I don't, I, that's actually where I was going to kind of go with this tonight. But I don't think that's usually what God says. What he says is, come in close. When you get in close and we spend some time together, I'll give you the answer. Because i got to dig through all the stuff. i got to chip up all the edges i got to get past your thought processes and all this other stuff, and then I'll, I'll answer. I'll do. Mike, do you have your hand up? Are you stretching? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and I may, I may not be able to go to... Um, you know, to the White House and pray in the foyer of the White House. But I don't have to. I can, God's not limited to space and time and other. When do I get on my face before God and begin to pray? When? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Corey? Um, okay, so I think I, th- I think I talked a little bit about that a few weeks ago. But if you'll notice, at the end of the story is when Jesus says, um, stop sinning or a worse thing. What I equate that to, and I, and I could be wrong, I think you could actually say there's a direct thing that Jesus is addressing. I, I don't think so. I think what Jesus is saying is, now that I've done this and you've seen that I can do and that God wants to do something big in your life, God has revealed himself to you, then that should get you mentally, spiritually to the point of saying, okay, I'm going to serve God and I'm not going to sin. I don't think it's necessarily, it could be. I don't think it's necessarily like this is his active sin and Jesus is saying, now stop doing that. He's saying, as a human, you're a sinner. This is the first time you're understanding that God is God, so stop it now that you get it. Now that you understand this, Surrender to God 
Because this has been a God thing that has happened here. This isn't a human thing. This isn't an angel stirring the water the way you're perceiving it. This is supernatural Holy Spirit healed you. Because of that, humble yourself before God and don't sin. That's the way I'm understanding that to be. Now, it could be there was a direct thing that he's doing. Because I've actually heard people say, using this story to say, well, the reason that the guy was sick was because he was sinning. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I think Jesus is just saying, now, you've, you've just been touched by God. Are you going to serve him? Or are you going to continue living the life that you live? You've just been touched by God. Now, stop sinning and serve God. Yes. Yeah, I would say this would be a good thing to put it. Now, I'm adding to the story, but I think it fits. Is, is um, Jesus could also say in the same frame, now, you, if you want, you can go lay, lay back down beside that pool. You're healed, but if you want, you can go lay back down there. Or you can go and do what God has told you to do. Do what God has created you to do. Don't, don't lay there. And, and this is a big one. And, Corey, you, you've got more stories probably than I do. i got a lot in this arena also where I have watched people get up from the pool, whether it's emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever, physical, God sets them free, heals them, whatever, and, and they immediately walk right and lay right back down there and stay there their entire life. I know some people that are identified, the way they identified themselves is, I was whatever. What? It is their identity. It's how they understand life, and they don't want to leave that. I was abused. I was sick. I was whatever. Um, I was born into this life. I was born into poverty. I was. And at some point, but what are you today? You don't have to keep being that. Move forward in God. Just even if you don't move forward in God, just move forward. Just do something. Just take a couple steps away from the pool. I'm telling you, and, and here's the thing. I have had these conversations with people to the point where I'm the one going crazy thinking, you don't want to leave. You're here. You're stuck. Why do you want to live? And they'll tell, oh, no, 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 I don't want to. I want to be free. I want to be free, but I can't be. Same thing. I can't, I can't, I can't. Then stay there. Then stay there. I understand somebody saying, you know, I was, I was abused as a kid, physically, sexually, whatever the case. I was abused as a kid, and this is what Jesus did. I understand that. Sometimes that testimony needs to be heard by people. But is that who you are now? Because the way I hear the story oftentimes is I was abused as a kid. Period. Done. Don't want to say, but... Well, I'm still dealing with it. I'm still working through it. I understand. I'm not making light of that. If you knew some of my existence and some of my history, you would understand. I, I understand those things sometimes, um, a lot more than most people think I do. But here's the deal. I, while I do talk about it sometimes, I am never going to let that define who I am. 
And, and even as a parent and as a husband, I have worked hard at saying that is not going to be who I am. That is not going to be who I am. I'm going to move forward. It's not always easy, but, but why stay there? Why stay there? I'm not going to let that define me. Well, it still hurts. I get that. Move forward. Get away from it. Move on. Let the Holy Spirit be that counselor and work through and get in your mind, get in your spirit. Get in. Move forward. Let go and move. But we don't always want to. We do not have enough time to go the direction that I wrote down here to go tonight. I was actually going to have a hard time getting in what I... Okay, so here... He, here's... Let me, let me leave you this, and then I want to say a few more things before we pray. But, but let me leave you this. I want you to read this story and ask yourself... Is there anything in this story that we haven't already addressed? Is there anything in this story that jumps out at you that you say, wait a second, I need more information, or there's something about this? Because there's still a big one for me in this story that we haven't addressed yet. And I don't want to unpack now because Tom will ask a question, and it, we will be. So, um, so I don't want to unpack that now, but there's still a major, major thing in this story that doesn't set real well with me. It's not, I'm not, it took me a while to figure out um, and the figuring out is not in the story. You have to go other places in Scripture, which I've got about 15 Scriptures, right? more than that, 20 Scriptures right here that will help us. But there's something in the story that bothers me a little bit. Okay, So you look and see if you can find something there. Patty, you want to? Okay, tell me. That's actually a part of, if I say it this way, it'll misrepresent. But that's actually that little part where it sees him later in the temple is part of what I, in, yeah. But what you're saying is actually a different thing that would be interesting to unpack a little bit too. Um, because I wonder why he doesn't know who Jesus is. 
Now we're getting too close to what I, so we'll do that next week. But, but coming back to this, I, I was praying. I pray this all the time, but I was really praying this um, when I was, in, I was in Texas, and I got all this, I'm, and I got to rent a car, and I got to drive a bunch of places and do stuff. And, and uh, so I'm by myself, and I'm just praying this, and I keep praying. I kept praying. I, I pray this all the time. God, I know. I know that you want to make Church of Barrowgate a place where people get saved, where people get set free. I know that. I know you want this place to be a um, a place where where it is known that there's a reputation about Jesus, not about not about me or or our, our you know our new building or whatever the case, is, but it, but about Jesus. I know that you want to do this with Church of Barrowgate. And and I have seen a couple of these over the years. Um, I've I've pastored some of these. I was involved as a youth pastor in one of these. Um, I've seen it in other places. I saw it when I was a kid in one particular church. One of the two churches I talked about that was really a, an exciting, on-fire church. Not just, a, not just a show, but it was real. It was real. I mean, supernatural things happening all the time. Uh, that church is a mega church now in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. It was a large church when I was a kid. It was about four to 500 people in 1979, you didn't have mega churches back in those days. They didn't, you know, a mega church back in those days. One of the largest churches in the nation was right here in Denver, um, back in the 1970s, and they ran like 900 people. That was a mega church back in the day. For for young people now, they're like 20,000, 30,000 people. That didn't happen back in those days. Okay, a thousand people church was, and uh, that church grew into a, a supernatural just. God doing things, megachurch. In fact, um, our own um, Sergio and Diana went to that same church in Las Cruces 20 years after I did. And it's a, it's a kicking, happening church. Uh, I, I know that those things can happen. I've seen them. It's just not that often. And I, and I just, I'm, I'm praying this, I'm praying this, I'm praying, God, I want, I want this to be a place that you show up. Not a place where we show up, but where you show up. And when you show up, then we'll show up. Kind of mentality, right? I, um, I want it to be supernatural. I, I don't want it just to be feeling. It's got to be more than a feeling. It's got to be something here. It's, it's got to be more than... A sermon, or more than a song, or more than a a building, or it's got to be more. It's got to be where I'm not the same. I feel God's presence in a in a good way, and I'm convicted at the same time. I think that should be happening to all of us every service. You want God's presence. You want that wow explosion in your spirit. You know, while you're worshiping or something like that. But then you need that conviction too. If you're not having the conviction, my, when I read Scripture, I don't think God really showed up. you got to have both. And here should be the results. Then when we're kind of looking around at us, we're seeing people that will dig in in prayer. We're seeing people that will get into the presence of God. We're seeing people that are, are really committed to this. I was sitting with Dr. Matthews at lunch today, and he said this. He said, I don't know if I'm just 
looking at this wrong. He said, but when I look at the, the younger generations as they're coming up, he said, there is a lack of just all-in surrender and commitment in this generation. And, he's not, and he wasn't talking about church. Um, church was the next thing he said. He was talking about marriage. He said, the younger generation doesn't look at marriage the same way. He said, it's like, should I get married? Oh, okay. It's probably going to last that long anyway. And he said, and it's the same way with church. He said, we don't see the, the sacrifice mentality in the kingdom of God like we used to. And I said, you're right. That's, that's actually one of the defining things. It's not all the other stuff that usually gets picked on in church. It's that. It's I'm all in to the kingdom of God, which means at some level you're all in at a local church too. Okay? But all in at the local church is secondary to all in to the kingdom of God. I'm all in. No, I want to play around with my, my drugs and my alcohol. I want to play around with my relationships. I want to play around with all this other stuff. And maybe I can dabble a little bit in pornography. And it's not that big of a deal. But when are we all in? This is my, I mean, I'm in God. I'm in. I've even seen it over, over the time frame. I've been hiring uh, people for 20 plus years as staff in church. And I've even seen it changing even in the way, and, and by the way, this is not a reflection at all. Our staff here is as good as they get in all these areas, okay? I'm not picking on us here. This is the, right now is the best staff I've ever had. But Shelby's on the, on the edge, but all the rest of them, <laughs> all the rest of them, they're, they're solid, solid people. So, um, but, but here's the thing with this is I've noticed more and more the mentality as I'm hiring people nowadays, the mentality, even when you're interviewing and things like that, what they're expecting to be what they're expected to do and be, right? They're, they're coming a lot more nowadays coming to me and saying, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is my, my portfolio. This is the expectation of pay. Um, these are the times off. Can I get this? Can I do this? And, you know, that immediately just turns me off. I'm not interested. If somewhere in the beginning of the conversation, you're not at least saying, I, I just want to serve Jesus. <laughs> I just want somebody to know Jesus. This, this idea that I'm all in. Well, am I going to have to work more than 40 hours a week? Or what about, can I do this? And can I, what about my kids? And what about, you know, after a while, you're just like, forget it. I'll hire a Jesuit monk. At least they don't talk. I mean, actually, those are Benedictine. Did I get that wrong? Probably Benedictine. But you, you, you understand what I'm saying? There's a, there's a lack of, Lynn and I have said this for years, years and years. And I, I feel like that I'm, I'm, I'm making this about her and I when I say this. But everywhere we've ever gone, Lynn and I have been all in 100%. We're probably less all in right here, right now than we've ever been before. And sometimes I just get old, just old, tired, used up. But, you know, we would go to the difficult places. We went to a church in southern Colorado that nobody else would go to. And that church still struggles to get pastors today. And we went there and said, we're all in. I don't care what you're going to pay us. And it was not much. I don't care what you're going to pay us. I'll get another job if I have to. I've always been all in. And, and by the way, that's the biggest thing that we've ever wanted and desired from pastors that have worked for us. Just be all in. I don't care if you're kind of stupid, if you're just all in. You know, I don't, 
<laughs> I, just, I just want you all in. This is my life. It's not my job. It's my life. Well, guess what? As the pastor, I'm going to say the same thing for all of us. This is not just where you go to church. It should be your life. I'm not saying church at Briargate. That's part of it. But this is my life. Jesus is my existence. He's my heartbeat. He's not just something that I attach to my life. He's my everything. When I get up in the morning, it's about Jesus. When I go to work, it's about Jesus. It's not about the paycheck. It's not about just another day on the, the, at the job. Or it's about Jesus. You're giving me air to breathe today, and I'm going to serve you with this day. Just all in. Let's just be all in. So there. Is everybody on the same page with me? <laughs> Got it. So uh, <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes as a pastor, I feel like that I'm trying to create something that I look in the Bible and I know is there, but I don't really see it in society. And I know I'm being pretty critical of churches. I know I am, and I'm trying not to be in the, but I, but I don't know how to say it without saying it that way. When I look in the New Testament, what I see when I look at churches in today's society is not that. It's something else. It's not horribly egregious, they're all going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're apostate or something. I'm just saying, you know, the, the idea in Acts where people were getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands, and, and they're going door to door and they're witnessing to each other and they're praying for each other and they're sharing meals together and they're sacrificing their lives and doing all this stuff, which, by the way, is where Ananias and Sapphira jumped right into. And God said, uh, no, this is my sovereign move. You're dead. This is mine. You can't play your little church games here. And he killed them. And the people are excited about God and they're bringing their witchcraft books and throwing them down and burning them. And, and there's just this, I need Jesus. I have seen that, guys. I've, I've seen it when I was a little kid. And one time I saw it when I was a youth pastor one time. And I was a pastor one time. And I see it around the world, all over the place around the world. But for the most part, I'm not seeing that in America. And that's the part that hurts me is I feel like, I feel like God keeps saying to me, stay on track. You're going to do this. And I keep praying, God, I know this is what you're trying to build. I know it is. I know it is. When's it going to happen? <laughs> When's it going to happen? I know it is. And I know many of you are on the same page with me with this. You're saying the same thing. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want just church. I just don't. All right. I'm not going to ask us how we need to pray about this. I'm afraid some of you will say, can you just stop talking? <laughs> um, Lindo, how do you think we should pray about this? Try it anyway. So Sunday I'm... So Sunday I'm talking about fasting, praying, and calling us to church fast. I mentioned this last week. Guys, I want you to be thinking about this and really looking at this next week and saying, God, I, I want to 
I really want to spend some time locked in with you. Um, I think there's some things at stake here that you know and some things that are at stake that you may not know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what a year from now holds. But, but I think the Lord wants us to, be, I know he wants us to be in power. And he wants us to be ready to be used by him. He wants us to be close. He wants us to be in it. And I just don't think that happens with just life as usual. I think you got to section off life, spend some time with God, and we're going to couple it with fasting uh, this week. So let's pray about that. Let's pray about everything that Pat brought up tonight with all of this. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and pray for ourselves with this. This is not a, you know, Christine, you should pray and fast. That's not what it is. It's, Scott, you should pray and fast. Let Christine figure out what she wants to do. I'm going to pray and fast. Okay? Let's pray. God, we need you so much. Lord, we need you. And um, God, I plead your blood over our church. I plead your blood over our families and our kids, teenagers. Lord, I, I plead your blood over our, our board, our leadership, our pastors, our worship team. Lord, I plead your blood over us. We need you. Lord, and I ask you to, to help us, help us not get caught up in just doing church as usual. Lord, help us to be passionate about you. And uh, Lord, we truly will go after you, Lord. And, and, and I pray for myself, I pray for everyone else in here, Lord. Help us to see, convict us of the things that we need to change and help us to see what being all in means. Lord, I know we can, I know you want us to. Lord, I believe, I believe you're trying to make church at Briargate this kind of place. And so, Lord, do it the way you want to do it. God, if I'm too narrow-minded about this or off track or whatever, Lord, show me. I, I, want, I want to hear from you. I want to. And God, and I pray for all of us that we will hear from you, that we will pull in to you, and that we will let you be in charge. I do pray for us. Pour your spirit out. Lord, let there be something that changes within us. As a body, as individuals, Lord, that something changes and it's and it's and it's allowing you to be truly in charge. God, that we will hunger and thirst after you. And Lord, all the stuff that, that sometimes we chase, sometimes we as a church chase, Lord, all the things about the church stuff, Lord, I ask you to, to help us to separate and know the difference in the two. To know the difference in your sovereign spirit moving and, and just the church stuff. Lord, help us to chase after you. Lord, we need you. Help us to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek your face. And Lord, we repent and turn from our wicked ways. Lord, every one of us in this room, convict us of things we need to change right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way.